You're listening to a message from Maranatha Church of Jacksonville. For more information, please visit our website, maranathajax.com. Hello, Maranatha. Welcome back to our study in 1 John. This is Pastor Kevin. We have been looking at the letter of 1 John written by the Apostle John and the disciple whom Jesus loved, one of the twelve. And he wrote these letters to the churches at the time. And now we have them and we can read them and study them and take them in for ourselves and be transformed by them, hopefully. So that's what we've been doing. We looked at 1 John 1 and 2, and now we are looking at 1 John 3. And so far, we've been looking at how John has written to these disciples, these these church uh, members, to encourage them to continue living like Jesus called them to live, to live with love for one another, to live as light in the world. And so John here in chapter three focuses on that message of love. And we'll see that here in 1 John 3, 11 with this phrase, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. So we see this, this kind of the shift now towards that message of love, which Jesus has been giving uh, since his ministry to these disciples. So it's it's cool to see that this disciple of Jesus, John, heard this message over and over about love, which you see in John, the Gospel of John, specifically in John 13, 14, 15, where Jesus really tells the disciples to really love one another. And now John is writing to other disciples this same exact message. And so he starts this chapter by saying this in verse 1 of chapter 3. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. So he first first starts by just saying how much the Father loves us. And he's, and he's wanting the listeners to understand, don't, don't you know, don't you realize how much our Father loves us? And so before we can love other people, we have to first know we're loved by the Father. We have to first understand and, and uh, take that all in, that we are loved children of God first. That's who we are. That's our identity as believers is we're loved children of the Father. And so so he says, look how much we are loved. But the, the world, they do not recognize that we are God's children because they don't know God. They don't know love. They're, they know worldly things and they know hatred. And so then he says, dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know what that we will be like him for we will see him as he really is. So John's talking about Christ's appearance, his second coming, and what we're going to look like. And so John saw Jesus in his resurrected body. And so he's saying, look, we saw Jesus as the resurrected one, the firstborn from the dead, like it says in Revelation 1.5. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. He's the only one that's been resurrected so far. There hasn't been anybody that's been resurrected from the dead living with this new body for all eternity yet. It's only Jesus. And so he's saying, look, when he appears, we're going to be like that. We don't really know exactly what that is, but we're going to wait for that. He says in verse three, we we will have this eager expectation. All who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. And so what a, what a great motivation to live a pure life is, is that, is that we're eagerly expecting Jesus to return 
And when he does, we will, we will be transformed. We will be uh, in having a new body uh, like his. And so here's a, 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 a encouragement from John about Jesus's second coming to stay pure, to stay faithful until the very end, because you're loved children. Verse four is everyone whose sin is breaking God's law for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins and there is no sin in him. And so he's saying, once again, that message of sin and forgiveness that John's been been talking about a lot. Verse seven, dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. So once again, we see a contrast that that, that John does a lot, light and darkness, love and hatred. And so here's that love and, and hatred contrast, the living a life for God or living a life of sin. And he's saying, hey, don't let people deceive you. Don't let people uh, steer you off. You are a child of God. You are loved by God. Remember, people who do right and who are living for, for God are righteous. And but people who keep on sinning, those are unrighteous people. The righteous are called children of God. The unrighteous are called children of the devil. And so stark contrast that, that John is constantly writing about. Children of the devil and children of God. Which one are which one are you? So then there's here's the switch in verse 11. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. An example he gives, he says in verse 12, we must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So this is actually the only Old Testament reference that we see John write about here is this message of, of Cain and Abel, which we see in Genesis chapter four. The very first act of, uh, of sin after, well, after they got banished from the garden after that act of sin, but the first uh, murder we see in the, in the Bible, the first act of hatred is, is murder. And so he is saying, hey, don't be like that. If you're if you're someone full of hate, it's going to lead to that. It's going to lead to to murder. And then he says, hey, listen, don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Now, this is the same message that Jesus gave his disciples in John 15, 18 through 21, where Jesus says that same thing. Hey, you guys are going to be hated. OK, but but uh, take heart. I've overcome the world. He says that in John 16. Listen, you guys are going to be be hated. He, John Jesus gives them warning, and John's seeing that. I mean, this is years. This is probably 40, 50 years after Jesus ascended into heaven is when John's writing this. And so think about that. For the past 40, 50 years, John is experiencing hatred from unbelievers, from people who are not living for Jesus, and he's experiencing that. And so he's speaking from experience, speaking from um, from a long time of living in the world as a Christian. And so he's saying, listen, guys, Jesus was right. The world's going to hate you, but continue living. And he says, continue to loving. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to life. 
but a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart, and you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. So here is uh, John really repeating the Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7, and he's saying that anyone who is is full of hate in the in the inside that's that's murder as well you're you're murdering them in inside of your heart so he's saying as christians we cannot have that if you have any hatred get rid of it uh jesus has destroyed that work of hatred so so go to him so then in verse 16 john john first john 3 16 tell me if this sounds familiar Sounds kind of like another passage in the Gospel of John. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Sounds very similar to John 3, 16, doesn't it? We know that real love, what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So what should we do? We should also give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If, it, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. And so John is writing about, look, love has actions. Love is, is something that we uh, do. We don't just say we love each other, but we show it. And so John also wrote about how Jesus showed that love. He said, hey, I love you guys. And he showed it by washing their feet. Like in John 13, he was living example of, of that. And we and throughout the gospels, we see Jesus, it says that he's moved with compassion on the people. He, he moves to, to heal and to speak to them and to help others and serve others. And, and the gospels say that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve one another. And so as his followers, we should do the same thing. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth in 1 John 3, 19, as it says. And even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. And in verse 21, dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence, with bold confidence. And so he's saying there, if we feel guilty and God is greater than our feelings, even when we've been forgiven of our sin, even as we call ourselves believers and um, we've been forgiven. There's still times when we feel um, guilty or maybe we've gotten back into some things and or or maybe we haven't or the enemy's lying to us. Even if we've been forgiven, the enemy likes to accuse us still for, for whatever reason, because that's what he does. He's the accuser. And so the enemy tries to accuse us and say, we're not really forgiven, but we are. And God is our judge and this accuser has no authority. And so if you, you know, if you're a believer, and you've been forgiven of your sin, don't let the enemy try to make you think otherwise. And so he's saying, look, we have bold confidence to come before God. We will receive whatever we, uh, from him, whatever we ask, because we obey him and do the things that please him. And then to end this chapter, he says this, and this is his commandment, Jesus' commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. So John is making it known to them. This is his commandment, right? It's not my words. It's not my, it's the commandments of 
Jesus. This is his command. We must, number one, believe in Jesus. That's our, that's our commandment, to believe in him, to believe in the works he's done, to believe in the cross and in his death and his re- in the resurrection, to believe that he gives us his Holy Spirit. We must believe in Jesus. And then we must love one another. We must do that. We must, that's a commandment of Jesus, to love one another. So a summary of 1 John 3 is this, is that John is encouraging his believers, well, encouraging believers, Christ believers, to stay faithful in loving God and loving their fellow believers. He sees how powerful it is for the world to see fellow believers taking care of one another. It's a testimony of God's fatherly provisions. God loves everyone in the world, but not everyone loves him back. When the world sees how believers love one another in a sacrificial way, it draws them into God's love for them. This is why John is strongly warning believers to not fall back into a lifestyle of sin because sin taints their testimony to the world. So I hope you, you're encouraged as believers to do that, to first believe in the love of God that he has for you. See how much he has loved us, how lavishly his, he loves us. I hope that you believe that and know that today. And then second, that you take that love and that you have experienced in God and that you pour it out into other people in the unique ways that God has for you in the different relationships that you're in, that you would sh- he would show you how to love those people in unique ways. And so I pray that, that we would, we would be able to do that. And so I want to end here with a prayer from Colossians. This is Colossians 1, 9. And it's a prayer of, of this, a prayer for endurance and to produce fruit, which love is a fruit of the Spirit. And so if you want to receive uh, this, receive more love from God, to receive um, a passion to love other people and to produce fruit, then, then let's pray together. So Colossians 1, 9 says this, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So, Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for cleansing us of our unrighteousness, that we may be filled with joy, filled with love, filled with the light of Christ, that we may do the same things and the greater works that you've called us to do. And so fill us with your love, Lord, right now, so that we can we can love other people like you love us. And so we thank you, Lord, for this letter. Thank you for this message today. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Goodbye.